Welcome back, Interabang. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. How are you doing? I'm good. I mean, I'm surprised, honestly, how I still have a voice left because I definitely told you, Stephanie, how going into this, I might not have a, much of a voice because I was talking a lot at work today. Um, but uh, I'm still speaking despite our uh, almost two and a half hours of pre-podcast episode discussion. <laughs> Golly. Well, you sound fine to me. Keep drinking some tea. Hopefully yeah, that'll... I'm sipping some here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that'll keep you going. Um, yeah. Hey, I want to ask you a question today, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we've got ostensibly five senses, right? Debatably six senses, but let's not get into that today. Okay. Fair. Um, yes. You know, you got sight, smell, uh, taste, touch, and hearing hopefully mm-hmm. right um if you had the ability to combine those um and i don't mean like you know you already have them but uh like if you could see a number and then see a color for that or you know um hear a sound but then see a color for that or like an image or like touch something and you know um hear a sound for that basically and it's like, and it's, like just... it's like involuntary uh, like, I don't I know. Can't, like I can't help it. Like the minute, yeah. If I... De- debatable, you know. Um, I guess. I guess. So I'm trying to get it's synesthesia, um, where you know you combine the senses, and I guess for those people, it's 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 definitely involuntary. Yeah. But you can choose <laughs> if you want to make it involuntary, voluntary for now, <laughs> since it's a hypothetical and it doesn't have to be tied down to a medical kind of thing. It's like senses are not voluntary correct so that's why okay hmm do you have an answer for this for yourself stephanie um yes uh but voluntary for sure otherwise everything would be probably too overwhelming it sounds like it could be yeah um i would like to combine smells and visuals or or sound sorry sounds and um smells sorry yep but also kind of maybe visuals sounds like, like can, you have any, yeah. can i have a specific example like a scenario that you think would be nice to yeah so um imagine if you are listening to like a symphony you know as i do on a saturday morning mm-hmm. <laughs> and um you know you hear the opening of like the first movement and it's kind of like nice and calm and like walks you through things and then you're like smelling maybe like a lovely coffee even though you don't have a coffee but it's just kind of like the smell of coffee the sound is the smell of coffee to you okay. Okay. you know mm-hmm. um and then and then like it goes progresses and you know, it comes to like a faster bit and then you smell i don't know something sharper some not not like cheese but <laughs> I don't know why she's, you know, some, some more, maybe like citrus, you know, cause it's like a little punctual. Right. And then um, it goes to like a bubbly bit and then you kind of like smell or see like babbling. But I know I'm going all over the place with describing things, but at least when I uh, was formally taught music with like a piano teacher, she would always like kind of describe the imagery of, of of like a certain piece and how I should play it, you know, like a certain vibe the 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 composer was going with. So I always had like a mental image of like a babbling brook or, you know, some some scenery or some some emotion, you know, some way to direct the emotion that she thought the composer was trying to convey. So I was like, okay, I'll go with that. 
but then I read about synesthesia and, you know, a lot of people, they do associate. So, so synesthesia, I guess it's not super common, but among the people who do have it, um, I believe that they combine uh, like text, visual text and stuff to colors or like numbers or even music notes um, mm-hmm. when they look at it on the page. Um, it like G is green or something, right? The note G. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a friend, I think, who a very good friend who combined numbers and colors, and I was like, oh, that was really cool when I found that out. <laughs> I think two examples for synesthesia for me, it's like that um, in Terabang or Stephanie, you may have come across like I think it's yeah. called the, the Stroop test. Isn't that what it is? Where it's like a list of words, um, and mm. they're and they're in different colors and you're supposed mm-hmm. to say the color of the word and not the word itself. Um, yeah. And I think um, it's, it's, it's like, one of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like an example of just like how your mind has to kind of work a certain way. Cause like you're, sure. you're reading a word that might, it might be like, and sometimes and oftentimes the words are like words of colors, like the word red would actually be printed in the color of blue. Yellow. Oh yeah. And yeah. Yellow. And so when you see it, you don't say red, you say, yellow or blue yeah but it's like yeah. a whole list it's just like a continuous list of, of these words um it also reminds me of like the movie um Ratatouille. it's like an extra dimension of color if you're a synesthete and you have that specific yeah. um thing then you not only have to struggle with saying um red right while you're seeing the you know yellow blue text that is currently written out in like everyone else will tell you it's written in yellow blue font but then you're a synesthete who associates like r with the green mm-hmm. you have to like parse through that layer and then the the actual font color and then the the actual text wow yeah sorry go ahead with your second example well the second example i had is like the movie ratatouille where there yep. i think are some excellent moments um where the main character remy um, mm-hmm. you know describes kind of one of his you know his attraction to food and mm-hmm. um, very specific flavors and so it shows sure. him like you know combining you know how he's making these recipes and he's taking these little morsels because he's a, a rat and he's tiny little paws and a mouse so he's taking little bites of different foods and as he's biting into them the screen transforms because it shows how for him it seems that he's experiencing like this like musical extra sensory experience when he's yeah. biting into these different flavors so like on the screen they have these different like rainbows of colors kind of like random shapes and forms that are combined sure. with like music i remember there's one part where he it's like he has a bite of a cheese so you get like a single insert like a piano or something this is not yeah. And then he bites in like a, a piece of bread or like a, and then it gives another instrument sure. them together and it shows like how it's combining. And I thought that movie did a great job of like showcasing and maybe a little bit of what um, people with synesthesia experience. Um, I, think- I always thought that was kind of like an over-exaggeration, I guess, of, of you know, like <laughs> when people see something, they like their heart, their eyes turn into hearts. But that makes that's a fun interpretation. I, I like I this like yours as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think. Well, yeah, I guess I think it's like a great movie moment because yeah, it's like it's very different. I think it just open expands your mind to think mm-hmm. what you thought of or, or what I thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Let me go back to my original train of thought. So, uh, when you asked like what what triggered that, so I I mentioned my friend had the 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 number color thing yeah and then i looked up what synesthesia was because i'd never heard of it before until we had talked about the her number thing 
and apparently like the the sound and smell connection is one of the least common um combinations of synesthesia and i thought that's so sad that it's it's like so rare because you'd think that smell is such a basic sense and like a primitive sense like in terms of um survival instincts not the right thing but um if you if you look at like the history of uh like how brains have developed from like nerve endings right isn't the old factory sense like very very old primitive thing you're, you're going very quiet I'm trying, to, trying to follow your thought process <laughs> okay 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 um I feel like I feel like it's one of the whenever learning that develops just in human like history of human of Homo sapiens or perhaps yeah because now that I think about it like eating is very important so you'd think that well I don't know taste matters to like worms who are churning dirt in and out um yeah I I think maybe like something about history of brain development when I was learning um biology and neuro uh you know one mm-hmm. neural st- nervous system like i i think i remember hearing uh, learning that the the old factory sense is very old compared to like and vision or touch or something i think vision's always been very advanced for sure okay. um i'm sorry i've been um, misinformed it's okay i think the olfactory maybe yeah a little to a degree yes it's quite somewhat sensitive but we don't have it's not near as developed um mm. Our vision is definitely the most developed, especially compared to other species. But like, yeah, our olfactory is pretty rudimentary, especially you consider mm. others. And then it's also our auditory; it's pretty pretty limited as well, um, with our ears and what we can hear. Um, maybe because they're limited, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm drawn to them. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm not too sure. I mean, you might be onto something. There might be a timeline there for sure. I'm not quite familiar with just thinking. I think of- I think I just have a flair for like the novelty, the the uncommonness of things, you know, and just trying to imagine what life would be like if you have most in common. Because my understanding is that we tended to associate the danger more on based on visual stimuli, like the color yeah. of like, like red berries can be poisonous, like red. Yeah. And so we it's more of a not to the taste or the smell, it's like the, how it looks. Um, yeah. But uh, no, it might be, yeah, maybe second. Yeah, and perhaps. another thing about it, like human noses aren't nearly as sensitive as like dogs or cats. So. No, not, not near. I mean, <laughs> and it's also, I mean, the olfactory sensory neurons, I mean, they are quite exposed, you know, up in the top of your nose in the sinus area, you know. It's, sure. Um, but um, yeah. Um, for me, though, I think going back to your opener question, my response, I would like to connect the sense of touch Okay. Sound, um, like the ability to like it, like station, like to touch, like a stationary rock or something, and like for there to be a sound, like a tone, whether it could be like the electromagnetic energy coming from it or something. Okay. Um, or or if it did, yes, or just like touching a piece of like going through like a uh, a fabric store and like touching like a green lime green velvet piece and like and you hear a certain like resonance or frequency there's or, something would you, there yeah. would you hear would you hear one specific tone or would you hear like no an, it, like a work of it'd be a little a little melody a little yeah just a little something yeah there. maybe it could yeah. be a single tone for some things okay. depending on i don't i don't know what would contribute yeah, yeah the energy from it um 
but it kind of reminds me a little bit of like um, I think there's this book I read in grade school called Esperanza Rising I had to read I, I think I remember that for yeah. myself or just as required but like there's it's a like part- one of those prize books like the Pulitzer Prize or Newbery yeah. Prize or one of those yeah. yeah and I just liked one sentiment from the book was about um I think it might have been Esperanza, the main character. I don't remember much about the book, but it was just that she would she enjoyed lying on the ground and it was like listening to the earth's heartbeat. Mm. And mm-hmm. that made a lot of sense to me. Um, but like she like she felt that the she constant could, like thrum of life or something. Yeah. yeah, but she like really it seemed like she could really like hear something. Mm-hmm. Um but um yeah, no, that's a great question. I really would like can I can I put a spin on it? Like would you have it the other way around as well like would yeah, that work if exactly. you um if you uh so you said if you touch something then you'll hear it if you hear something could you feel maybe like a ghost of like i a would picture yeah i would picture that something might. in my mind okay so, so it becomes visual it doesn't become a tactile. little or i would just get like i would just not maybe visual but i would be like i would be like rock it would just like the like the concept would come to the forefront of my mind. Or Big like, rock, small rock, tiny pebble, <laughs> giant mountain, craggy mountain. <laughs> um, yeah, um, that's a cool question. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, when you think of, when I think of synesthesia, I, I don't know about like the incidence of it. If it's like more common in males or females, mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's something. Cause like there's the book of like Oliver Sa- uh, musical musical philia by Oliver Sacks that I really like that like talks about kind of mm-hmm. these like you know people who have obtained these really incredible abilities in terms of understanding music and sometimes mm-hmm. it came about like you know one person like struck by lightning and all of a sudden they could like really compose huh. piano music and they never played the piano and they just sure. like, understood it or you know and some people it was like they were born with it and they sure. just always had this ability of some kind in terms of um relating to music um so I, I don't know if synesthesia is like that too is it like maybe if you're super stressed you just like it gets more intense i think i read somewhere that or heard something that uh like some person who like memorized a quite quite a number of digits of pi um was uh, able to do so because or not because i'm sure they had a great many other qualities that helped them um but one aspect that helped them memorize all these digits was because they saw each digit as a different number so they just kind of memorize all the colors um i'm sorry each digit is a different color so 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 each like one would be one color and then nine would be a different color and then eight would be a different color so when they did 3.1415926 you know two five whatever Mm -hmm. um it would it would be like a whole bunch of different colors and they just kind of memorize the colors and then they'd correspond those to the numbers and because the colors are more memorable to them than i guess a whole wall text of black i guess perhaps that makes sense and maybe they had like photographic memory too i mean i don't know but um Mm -hmm. perhaps that was a helpful aid yeah that makes sense yeah i mean i don't know yes i don't know with synesthesia like you said and you and you you know you listed the different there's different types um you know if it's a genetic um, contribution or, or how it comes about I, to my knowledge I don't think there is much knowledge. I know there is some imaging neuroimaging that's been done yeah. um, to understand the pathways of those who experience things and I mm-hmm. think the most effective modality for neuroimaging has been um, defend, um, diffusion tensor imaging DTI what is that um, that's able to um, observe the 
it's called tratography, the, the tracks and actual like connections in the different regions of the brain that are happening. So say like if I think of a chocolate chip cookie, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like there's for me, it's a very rich and powerful experience <laughs> just at thinking of chocolate she, She's essentially cookie. a cookie monster in Terabang. I think we've touched on this, but she she mm-hmm. devours cookies like no other. <laughs> I really want to have some after this episode. I'm remembering mm. now, thinking of visualizing my cookie cap, my cookie cupboard, and I know <laughs> that there are some shortbread in there that mm. Stephanie again applauding <laughs> Stephanie's gift giving ability. <laughs> she gifted this time. Me. I believe it was not by a post-it note in grocery bag. <laughs> <laughs> As mentioned, I think the last episode. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so when I think of chocolate chip cookie, a lot of things happen in my mind. A lot uh-huh. of things, and as well as uh-huh. my body. Everything it's, just starts I, firing. Everything just lights <laughs> All up. All pistons so on go. If I was, you know, in an MRI machine getting a DCI, you know, and you can, that's how you, you can, see a bright spot it'd be everywhere. like a 4th of July episode in my brain. <laughs> um, but, you know, through tractography, you could kind of link, okay, the different specific regions of my brain that are being activated in the relationship of like, okay, that's kind of, okay, she's having a bit of a, you know, olfactory response, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm, So I think mm -hmm. that's my, we could have done more research about synesthesia, but that's just for for me. um, It's a very uninformative episode. (laughs) (laughs) I do have things to contribute a little bit that are kind of related. Okay, please please do. Um, Kind of (laughs) continuing on this fun little trip about like, I don't know how to describe it, like just X unique sensory abilities i think would be a way that that some that humans some humans have. superpowers superpowers um and sorry synesthetes if we are representing you incorrectly this is our glamorous yes definitely want to clarify um, that i'm sorry in this very politically correct world <laughs> um we we don't mean to make light of your uh i don't your your your, your thing yeah your your ability yeah. Um, speaking of, of light. Yeah. Um, light. There is a neat thing that I think is cool called um, tetrachromacy. Um, okay. So it's where to begin? How to unpack? So tetrachromacy is it's it's the so ability. So bring it down to words like that's four. Tetra right? four chromacy like chromatic like chroma colors. Okay, so yeah. four colors. Yeah. So it's four colors. So, um, so. It's the idea that you're able to see um, the different band, four different bandwidths of light, like wavelengths of light. So usually most humans we see, so you have in your eye to see, you have, um, you know, within your retina, you have cones and, and rods. So cones help you see color. And mm-hmm. most humans, um, I think- And rods help you see black and white. But or like, yeah, more shading. Yeah, like, more like shading. night vision, it kind of helps you with that. Yeah, so most people um, for their cone, they have three types to be able to see. I just double checked, it was red, blue, or green wavelengths is what is typical. That, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and so because within your cones, we have these specialized proteins called opsins, O-P-S-I-N-S, I believe. Okay. Um, and they kind of respond to these different wavelengths of light. So yeah, sure. it's like red, blue, or green wavelengths. Um, if you're colorblind, 
um, which happens to quite a few people, um, one of these types of cones is affected. You might be missing them or lacking them, and that would affect your ability to differentiate between shades of colors. So, but why have, is it generally a, red, green color blindness as opposed to the other? Like? Um, that's just the most common um, single okay. nucleotide, you know, um, polymorphism in okay. coding opsins. So sure. it's, it's a genetic coding difference in opsins. Okay. And I think it's just, yeah, there's a higher incident rate of the, of the red green. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And um, so anyways, and so you see, so basically, you know, the process for vision right, is um, you see things with your eyes, mm -hmm. um, you know, they commonly hit as, as light waves and then they're, they're um, translated to electrical um, pulses and chemical signals that travel all the way back to your visual cortex, which is kind of in the back lower part of your brain. Right. Um, so it's kind of like the general overview process. But if you're tetrachromatic, you have a fourth type of cone. Ooh. And that allows you to see just, yep, uh, another type of, you know, ultraviolet. Yes, you can actually see what? ultraviolet. Really? Mm -hmm. um, and this isn't totally like Crazy what? unique. Other animal species can see this, like, like butterflies, bees. birds, yeah. insects. Um, yeah, like I feel like the vibrancy goldfish. of, <laughs> you know, like in in um, some like science museums, they have like you know replications or approximations of what if you had bee vision, this is what you would see. Yeah, you know, and but you know, they they do tint it so it's available for humans, so it may not be an accurate accurate yeah resemblance, right? Exactly. Um, it's kind of like yeah, how we translate like space sounds <laughs> to like for our ears yeah. to understand. <laughs> it's it's like, like it goes through a distillation. Space isn't actually sound like that. It just, it's just electromagnetic yes. wavelengths. Yeah. Everything's electromagnetic wavelengths, but it's, you know, distilled for general human consumption. Yeah, exactly. So I know that... Um, Distilled, so, yes, transmogrified, yeah. That still is like, yes, yeah, a great example. Yeah, the museum exhibitions. There's an artist that I know of um, mm. who is tetrachromatic. Her name is, I, I don't want to I'm saying this correctly, I'll still spell it, Concetta Antico, C-O-N-C-E-T-T-A is her first name. Last name is A-N-T-I-C-O. Um, she's based at a San Diego, San Diego, if you like the movie Anchorman. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always think of Carmen San Diego. I had a childhood friend who would always um, talk about Carmen San Diego. I can't remember. I, I forgot what she did, but yeah, that's how I heard of San Diego. <laughs> okay, different different strokes for different different, <laughs> different references. Different reference points. Anyways, this artist is from San Diego. Mm -hmm. um, how much that plays in her life, I don't know. Um, but she, so she paints. Um, so she paints, um, and you can kind of understand a little bit of what she sees. It kind of looks like psychedelic. Uh, it's just, I think Monet. I would describe it as vibrant. I don't know about psychedelic because I, I like colors. <laughs> it sounds as full so naff. Full um, stop. Yeah. I, I, you know, monochrome is okay, but. If you can combine a bunch of colors together, I'm a happy person. Um, so I I saw some pictures that Michelle had sent me and they were, you know, I call them colorful. You know, I, I think yeah. that they're they're all right. I don't think that they were psychedelic. But I'm maybe curious I don't know what if psychedelic in person like. I'm curious if in person with the type of paint 
um, she's able to use. Maybe they have a little bit of a luminosity to them. So it's like maybe look a little different, but just based on like a computer screen. Yeah. I don't know how. That, that's that's a good point. Cause I just was thinking of, uh, <laughs> I think we brought up a few episodes ago or perhaps last episode, the pinkest pink and then oh, the, yeah. blackest, the black. blackest black. Yeah. Poor Anish Kapoor. <laughs> he was very pedantic. So he had it coming. Yeah. So um, that's, yeah. And we'll definitely provide kind of some information about this in Terabane. Yeah. Um, so she to this artist and you can kind of see for yourself but um, I always thought that was kind of neat I just for me though like mm. I guess you get used to it I, I think they've noticed it is more common in women than in men because it's tends to be coded on huh. an X chromosome so because women okay. have two um, but it also the research that I know about it, at least and there could be more um, is people who genet- who like technically have like the gene for mm-hmm. tetrachromacy don't necessarily exhibit it so that it might be a little bit of the nature versus nurture sure of just random instant- options turning on and off yeah it's like for this artist Constantico, like she has a high degree of expressing it but it's also because she's an artist and so she spent so much of her life just being really in tune and focusing on colors yeah i was, I was wondering like how would anyone because i I took I try to take some online tests, but who knows if they're proper online mm. tests or not, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, whether the limitations of the Internet, you know, because everything is coded on the Internet. Right. Whereas, you know, in real life, right. it could be a little more vibrant than what um, ASCII code is, ava- you know, allowed to to code for, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for like the pinkest plink, you know, like colors and the pick on um, that the pixels provide don't do the pinkest pink justice right yeah so per, I, I have no idea like how would one be able to tell if they were i guess maybe you have to do an in-person test um know. yeah that's what they've done yeah they've done these kind of visual tests and they've kind of like displayed it's like seems like a pretty advanced like color blindness test mm-hmm. um, yeah and for people to describe what colors they were able to see and differentiate in this like very specific kind of spectrum display of colors sure um but yeah that was something and then another thing I, i'd like to share um yeah. a different type of different sense um is um auditory like to me i always been interested in perfect pitch i have a friend uh, from high school who has perfect pitch mm-hmm. and um it's just i know there's um the singer charlie puth who also has it quite famously and mm-hmm. i i definitely I know a couple empath- people who have per- perfect pitch yeah i empathize with them because i feel like it's just this like and en- like endless tire you know everyone just like loves like just what's this what's this noise and it's just boring for them it's like not only that but if you have like a piano slightly out of tune it's just gonna bug you so just, much you're t- yeah i don't know yeah yeah, yeah unless you're able to tune it out oh. you hear everything oh my god <laughs> everything's just in semitones and <laughs> you're yeah. in pain and agony yeah i don't know um but i always thought that was cool because it's like not something you seem to really be able to learn, even if you're a well-trained just musician, develop you just it. have it. And I do know, it. so again, kind of starting from basic of how do we hear? Mm-hmm. So like you have your outer ear, right? You have like your pinna and it kind of mm-hmm. has a nice little acoustics with all your, your folds to go into your ear for the sound waves to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hits, you know, it vibrates those three little ostacle bones, you know, hits your timb- your eardrum. Hammer anvil and stirrup. Exactly. The t- smallest bones in your body, the three obstacles in your inner oh, ear. Yes. And but vibrate even, against the timpani of the eardrum. T- exactly. And within <laughs> that is, I think they're called, they're like these um, tonotopic maps. 
that are like these like it's like a it looks kind of like from my memory it's kind of like a xylophone with like these like sections of neurons that so a xylophone you're talking like bart strips of like, bar. Strips, like yeah they're like yeah it's like, yeah and so you're talking in, are you talking the the eardrum itself the spatial orientation of like within the inner ear they have these tonotopic okay. maps um that are help code um from like the sound waves and the vibrations of like the ossicles and okay. you know, the eardrum vibrating um into you know the electrical signals to go into the brain to the auditory oh, cortex right. okay. so the auditory cortex is right above you know you have it on both sides in the temporal lobe which is you know right by your ears of your brain, right, side, okay. of your brain. Okay. Mm-hmm. so you have these um tonotopic maps that um, kind of contain these neurons that are laid out in this way spatially and they're laid out in, a, in an order of frequency response of, of sound. Um, and um, to my knowledge, people with perfect pitch tend to have a larger auditory cortex than mm. those who are even like perfectly magically trained, you know, you know, well-trained musicians. Sure. And they might have maybe a more detailed map of this area they're not too sure yet but so, so people is this exclusive to people with larger auditory like if you have a larger auditory com- cortex are you guaranteed to have perfect pitch okay but they so have that's just a correlation in, in a study that they i know there's been studies of people that are comparing those with perfect pitch mm, okay. and who are just well-trained musicians and those who are just not trained at all and are t- the tone, plebs. tone deaf and no I, tone deaf is something totally different it is yeah, yeah. but just um who are just um, so like i think the, the, test, un, the uneducated or not not schooled in oh my gosh did we even music. define what perfect pitch is i just realized that do we just go right into it so perfect pitch is when you have uh, like uh, an ear for like A, I believe, is uh, 440 hertz, or maybe that's C. It's a specific frequency for for notes. It's just like how notes are mapped for the human yeah. ear, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G so on the mm-hmm. music scale, or like mapped to certain hertz's frequencies. <laughs> and so the human ear is able to distinguish not you know, A should be 440 instead of 441 or 439. It has mm-hmm. to be exactly 440. And so people with perfect pitch are able to say, yep, A is exactly right there. Or if, you know, they hear a random note, they're able to, you know. Yeah, that's like the main thing. It is. Is. You can hear, you can, you can play, make any kind of noise of a note and they can immediately say. Clock on to what? Yeah. Within, what like, note within like a second. It's just like how you identify like what color shirt this is the color red yeah exactly it's it's just it's super there's no no thinking about it um but at some point they did have to learn like this is the letter a yes (laughs) you know know. there's that level but i always thought that seemed really interesting of Mm -hmm. i think that's something you're usually born with maybe it is something you could could just randomly it could arise for you um but uh, to my knowledge my interaction it's been people who I know who've just been born with it and they just kind of have it I remember like I think talking to a friend who had perfect pitch and it was just like yeah I don't all of you because <laughs> yeah. it was just so natural just as like um, colorblind it's like people don't know their their people don't know their colorblind yeah, they like, take those tests they go, and I don't oh. know how you describe like the color red to someone who can't see you know it's just different it's a different shade for sure but it just looks just different well if you're blind like you don't even know what colors i don't know what you're missing if you're born blind if you become blind that's a different story oh yeah that way yeah 
Um, and then one more thing, and then we have then we get into our music here. One more quick thing that I think is kind of neat. Again, kind of more about like the music sound stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's something I think is more of a trained ability instead of something you're born with. Okay. I think I kind of attach onto the whole uh, perfect pitch thing. Um, overtone singing, I think, is really oh, cool. It's that's really awesome. Yeah, I think it's kind of casually called throat singing because it mm-hmm. involves where you kind of create this is called like the thing of the fundamental note within like physically you create the sound within your throat mm-hmm. and then you create another note that's you know, separate within like physically within your mouth, but it's that you release at the same time. So it's a single person singing and you're actually, you can hear two different, more than one note. And occasionally your nasal passage, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You just have this really unique control over your, breath and sound and and I, th- and I think it's got something to do with like the frequency of the note like at least the ones i've heard it usually is a male i think that uh, no actually i've seen some women do too yeah um, both. and and it's like the way that they're able to modulate their vocal cords like it lays on top like a and then the higher a and is it always like the same no no actually they can do melodies like they can have a yeah, bass I've heard melodies, note. Yeah. yeah i don't know if certain combinations of notes are easier to achieve based yeah. on certain i think they probably are i would imagine yeah. but yeah. um i know from my understanding i think um i first learned about it through um, the physicist richard Feynman because he's okay. um, was someone who really i guess he learned about it in his random academic adventures and he started mentioning it and talking about it so it became knowledgeable to the west well um, he was an anthropologist correct or was phys- he an anthropologist? physicist physicist okay sorry i don't know why i thought he was an anthropologist yeah, yeah. um but yeah i think because to my knowledge it, it, it could happen in other in other sure. civilization cultures but he kind of brought it over to introduce it to the west from you know learning about it in you know the tibet do the tibetans do throat singing yeah. as well as there's um it's i think it's a re- region in southern siberia called tuva t-u-v-a yeah i was gonna say like isn't there's some area like near mongolia or maybe in mongolia that mm-hmm. they do that kind of overtone singing as a as a thing not their <laughs> only thing but you know it's, it's a one part of, of their of their culture culture yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> but um i don't know i just wanted to kind of share a little i think about it's that. cool I mm-hmm. think we should we should include a link of that. Um, to yeah, some we will also kind of cool to see because you'd think that it's you know multiple people, but it's just one person. That's, that's blows my mind. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, it's it kind of reminds me of I hate to bring it up the bagpipe or the didger, the didgeridoo. You know where you've got mm-hmm. uh, like one yeah. droning note right that generally yeah. plays throughout, but then you can modulate like the higher frequencies. But you know with the instruments of the bagpipe and the didgeridoo, you know I'm sure it's slightly different mm-hmm. um, than the vocal cords. But uh, yeah, and nevertheless, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, but that's just that's been what's on our mind. <laughs> um. We do also have some songs to share that aren't totally related, but somewhat so, um, to share for today's episode. Yeah, so the first song I'd like to uh, bring into this playlist is, is you know, kind of related to the synesthesia topic we were talking about. Um, I had a the, the friend who um, I think does have synesthesia. She played this um, fantasy impromptu uh, in C-sharp minor by Frederick Chopin once. And which I've always loved this song. It's, it's it's definitely a song for any piano virtuoso. 
Um, and it, it goes through, I think like maybe two, three movements or so. Um, and there's such lovely vivid imagery that I, my mind like conjures, conjures. That's such an odd word. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I hear the piece and I always would like to imagine like the waft of smells that come in. Um, there's a wonderful Fry and Laurie sketch, uh, you know, Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, of course. Um, Here we go. <laughs> uh, and they have a sketch called uh, Aroma Music or something, and they've got like a mm. whole bunch of different smells, and they kind of waft it into, you know, the 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 audience, the, the single audience member of one um, knows, I guess, while a certain piece. No, no, it's to convey. <laughs> the smell of a certain um, music piece, which I thought, yep, that's pretty much <laughs> how I'd like my synesthesia experience to be. So um, once I tried to describe this, <laughs> this uh, <laughs> smell, it's not smell vision it's smell hearing <laughs> um, <laughs> version. And I think I ended up conveying more imagery of like a babbling broken, you know, I've, um, you know, just various imagery critically not smells um but i would like to one day be able to get to the level of describing smells rather than you know soap not soap and you know the smell of water (laughs) or like fresh rain the movie perfume is like really good for this i love the movie perfume it's so odd but it's a great movie it's a great movie yeah yeah um, so yeah, so I decided to uh, include Fantasy Impromptu in honor of said friend and uh, my undying quest to smell music. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's a great, I know I love, always love Chopin. Um, yeah. Always takes back to like my ballet classes of bar work yeah. uh, growing up. Just great, great music. Um, it's, quite, it's quite a speedy piece in some places. It I is, but just I'm ballet. always able to kind of, whenever I hear his music, I'm like, that's Chopin. You can do something about it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the next few songs I'll share, I guess it's more just what I've been listening to lately. or just kind of these more dream-esque kind of pieces um, that are, I don't know how to see, I'll describe it. I mean, I think they kind of speak for themselves, especially when I go into each of them. Um, the first I have to share is called um, Adagio for Glass Harmonica, K617A by Mozart. Um, the glass harmonica to me is a pretty interesting instrument. In um, terms, you may be most familiar with it if you're seen or heard Tchaikovsky's production of the Nutcracker with the Waltz of the Sugar Plum Fairy. Um, boop, 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 boop. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll get copyrighted for that. So that's, <laughs> but, um, long, it, that's a pretty, pretty well-known piece that it's showcasing. But I always think that instrument is really cool because I feel like it's a great moment in history where um, of like. So, so can, you, can you describe what the instrument is first of all before you get into the history it's, it's like this it's glass like glass blown and it uses you know that whole premise of you know how you have like those water glasses if you hover your hand over it and it kind of makes sure. it like it like vibe it resonates it resonates yeah at and certain like levels of water and there's different sizes of like the sections of this glass blown piece so when you have your hand over them it gives a different tone so it okay i guess <laughs> Uh, it, it looks like a series of bowls that are yeah. um, inside each other and they're they're not stacked vertically they're kind of laid horizontally they're on a rod that um, is constantly rotating and it's in like a bed of water right yeah. so the 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 bowls are constantly wet and they're constantly moving rotating at the same rate 
Um, and they usually have like a, a gold rim or, or some kind of rim to them. It's, I don't think it's just glass. Maybe it is. Um, but that kind of, I think, I believe helps provide the friction for when you um, have a wet finger or just a finger. I think it's, it helps if it's wet a little um, bit. to help the, uh, the water bowl kind of resonate a little more. So that's why you um, can induce and play. create. Yeah. Play, play. Yeah. Play kind of like a piano. <laughs> It's kind of interesting. It's quite interesting. Yeah, use my moving your hands. Um, mm-hmm. I okay, think it's, keep going. I always like it when like history really connects with itself based on yeah. what you've heard. So, um, so it's invented by Benjamin Franklin, who's an American, mm-hmm. um, and but it was really popularized and used by um, the um, Austrian figure scientist, quite controversial, um, Franz Mesmer, who's considered to be kind of the mm-hmm. father of um, hip, like hypnotherapy, hypnosis, mesmerism, which, which is where we get the word mesmerization <laughs> from, from sure. Franz Mesmer, and so um, mesmerized, mesmerized, um, and so he often utilized this instrument in his sessions of you know group sessions where he would you know, hypnotize his um, people, patients, patients. Oh, he'd often be, it's where a social thing would be invited to like elite. It's kind of like a party trick too, Elite right? parties, yeah, yeah, by the by the nobility. Um, it's kind so of a novelty. He, so he had them in his, had in his house and he was once visited by a very young Mozart who was a teenager with his, Mozart's father and just because Mozart was kind of an aspiring musician and came, I, I mean, I don't know if exactly the conversation or the interaction, but um, Mozart did this have... time Mozart was definitely an established genius I think because he was very much because um, he was a prodigy proven yeah. a genius from like four or something mm-hmm. and so he wanted to have some fun and play around with it of in, course in Franz Mesmer's teenager house yeah and really enjoyed it and I think there's there's proof of this of his Mozart's father like writing back to home to, the, to his wife of like oh yeah Mozart you know we hung out we hung out at Mesmer's house and he has this cool thing that's really neat and Mozart was dilly dallying on it and that's, there's that's a few awesome. pieces that he um he, he made so that was this is one so of them. Wait, wait hang on so um mozart right i think what 17 1800s right this is yeah 1700s mm-hmm. okay did mesmer get the glass harmonica from benjamin franklin himself i'm i think so. like was it when i i don't know about patents like if they're invented <laughs> but uh like did benjamin franklin have a great multitude of um glass harmonicas that were being manufactured i don't know that's a great industrial question. revolution or did you know he only had like one or two lying around and just kind of gave like most one. of his inventions were kind of like yeah not one like mass produced yeah okay that's what it feels until later or something yeah yeah um huh. so so you're telling me that mozart was two degrees removed <laughs> you know this um uh, from benjamin franklin yeah founding father of america i just think because it's like i feel like for me at least those are three individuals who i kind of learned about independently and i just yeah i never never associated re- them in the same like no, realm I didn't realize it, exactly like oh they're yeah they, they really were that closely like, interacting with each other. Paths, mm-hmm. yeah so i always kind of like it when history that does tickle me i mean it's not like history's actively doing it but like what i discover that it happened yeah 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 um yeah so there's that little tidbit as well um the next piece is by um, the artist andrea fari um is actually what's come out recently this might date the episode but um you know a lot of um the productions of kind of the spring summer collection of different um haute couture um fashion companies 
brands have okay. come out and released um reviewing because they're not doing the regular fashion week that's like exclusive due to the the virus that's happening the situation so um they've been doing these kind of which is i think really interesting they've been making these like more like pre-recorded like video like full-on productions like short okay. films almost to showcase the pieces are, are there people in these productions some of them yeah there are always people but some of them are actually like runway shows and they're just kind of like special but this one uh was by the dior haute couture spring summer 2021 collection and it was actually like a full-on short film where there wasn't like a live audience um, okay other brands were but um the music from it uh the song i really liked it's uh, Le, Le Chateau du Tarot, like a tarot card um, okay. And I think the it's tarot really, card of it's 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 like play, a tarot card of houses. It's like a fancy house. Yeah, and they, and the tarot card reading plays a aspect in the film. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I highly recommend the film. We'll, we'll link it. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I think it's really beautiful. The pieces are fashion pieces are really wonderful, and I really like how very dreamlike um, the music and really to me does a great plays a great role in the film's production. Is it a bit surreal, would you mm-hmm, say? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think relate and it reminded me of a movie that I really like, Pan's Labyrinth, and the Ooh, soundtrack yes. of it. Um, so a piece that I included from that soundtrack. And I mean the whole soundtrack is lovely, mm-hmm. but it has that kind of dreamlike quality of kind of escaping to a different realm is um mm-hmm. the fairy in the labyrinth. Um and that composer was Javier Navarretti Navarit. I don't know if I'm saying mm-hmm. that correctly. Um, so I really like that piece. Possibly. <laughs> um, Considering Spanish. Yes, could be. Um, and then the next two pieces, or I guess the next three are really kind of involving the director, Tim Burton, um, and some of his works. But um, the first two are um, uh, films of his um, where he worked with the composer Danny Elfman on. Um, so the first great composer love his stuff really like his stuff. i feel like it's very i like it to me it's very like some of his work is very like childlike and playful and kind of more light um and uh but there's always this kind of like weird mystery lurking around it's yeah i always think it's very very pensive as well in a way but not too pensive like you're not really sure what's going on in the background but you're still kind of sure. going throughout your life frolicking it's, it's not yeah it's not just like you know uh smiling at rainbows and daisies it's a little like, bit of, da- of bambi in the meadow with the hunter lurking around but not too it's before but also like wandering like pondering a little mm-hmm. bit just exactly like what's what else is there yeah and i think it just helps with the worlds that um tim burton creates in his films yeah um, so yeah, the first piece is um, from the movie Edward Scissorhands, and it's titled Ice Dance. Okay. Um, the main main scene is kind of towards the end is when the song is really featured, but um, kind of the motif of the song is used throughout the soundtrack of the whole mm. film. Um, okay. But it's very light, and I get a little bit of like again, like Tchaikovsky Nutcracker. It's kind of like the um, you know from the, the Snow Queen, the snow moment, you know. Um, in, in act one in the nutcracker um, so oh, okay. a, little, a little similar to that yeah yeah um the second film is you know big fish by tim burton um well also the snowflakes is what i was thinking of uh the nutcracker sorry Brain fart. <laughs> but big fish danny elfman's piece from big fish titled um underwater mm. it's a pretty cool interesting scene from that movie um where you're not really sure if what's happening actually really happened or it's like in the character's mind 
Um, ah, yes, unreliable narrator, perhaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is which is a big aspect of the movie. Um, but yeah, the, these two seem quite water based, which I guess kind of makes sense going back to the glass harmonica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is like half submerged in water, so yes. it's a rather amphibious <laughs> thing. Yeah, that's uh, a good yeah. point. Oh, <laughs> speaking of that, um, the, the song that I'd like to contribute is Aquarium by Camille Saint-Saëns, um, which is from uh, Camille Saint-Saëns' uh, Carnival of the Animals, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, from the name Aquarium, you, you know water is involved. I, I think it might use the glass harmonica. I've seen versions where it does use, so we might try and find a YouTube version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to the whatever Spotify provides, um, I think the the one we're going to link on Spotify is Yo Yo Ma, um, and some other great people. Um, uh, yes, mm-hmm. but I cannot be sure if a glass harmonica was used. Um, but it's a great song. Um, it was used in like the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, if you can remember, like when the narrator is talking about like the the prince and you know he's so haughty, and then this witch comes in and you know casts a spell on him when he's rude to her. Um, and yeah, I think it's like kind of that it adds an aura of mystery and like what's going on, and a little bit of haziness. Um, and I think it's used for like Space Mountain. Have you ever been to Disney mm-hmm, World? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. um, we used to have, my family used to have like a CD of like music from Disneyland, Disney World, which we listen on like car rides. And so for whatever reason, um, this one kind of stood out to me and I always remember it as like the Space Mountain song. <laughs> At least like when you're, I forgot, it's like you're waiting in line or like the ride is like just on the cusp of the beginning. Like you've, I think you've, it's in the waiting. I don't remember. Wait, like you've on. got the, the, the safety harness thing that comes above your head and then it's about to like go down on your chest to secure mm-hmm. you in spot. And while that's happening, you know, before all the crazy, not quite rock and roll, but like the upbeat tempo song comes in as you're being, you know, thrown to the left and right with the the, the ride um mm-hmm. you have this like wondrous like anticipatory uh piece of music that's just full of wonder and excitement very, very and, like, curious as well very curious piece. yeah yeah so just imagine you're like a little fish and you're swimming around and like you know <laughs> um it's a great and, and you can song. see in your tetrachromatic because a lot of fish are and yeah and those corals wow they're really popping really popping <laughs> um, uh, but but bringing it back to your tim burton connection um it you i think you told me once that it was used in a lot of his um, trailers for some of his films i definitely recall okay yeah. i don't remember this at all but i believe you like yeah seems very much on brain i guess with the wondrous element of his movies yeah. Yeah. And then all this water talk totally just reminded me of the obvious <laughs> movie Shape of Water, um, oh, which okay. has a really great soundtrack by Alexandre Desplat, um, which we've mentioned oh, in the past. Okay. But yeah. I, that's an, another great soundtrack and quite literal, like about water and the shape of it. <laughs> um, so I will definitely, um, there's definitely some pieces from, from that soundtrack. Um, I think the one that comes to mind is like the, the title piece of like the shape of water. I think it's really <laughs> imaginatively titled mm-hmm. well done um but to close out this episode um kind of jumping a little bit in music genres but just to me um, i think it works just fit well um it's um by the artist dead mouse and the piece is called strobe um, i love it already 
Yeah, yeah, Stephanie, I introduced it to her tonight um, when we were going when we were preparing for She didn't episode. even play me the whole song. She just played the opening and I was already in love. It's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you heard it from her. <laughs> we have a, a, te- the song a testimony. A testimony. <laughs> yeah, you just you just hear the opener and then that's all you need. No, it's actually uh, she played me snippets of like the because you said it's eleven minutes or so. Oh, eleven like minute song. piece. Yeah. Um she played me snippets so I wouldn't have to wait. Not that I mind waiting, but I don't think she wouldn't wait for you know me to get more and more excited. Um, but it really, how would how would you describe it, really, it? Yeah, it's kind of like a bit of like a submarine journey. I mean, it does a really Dead Mouse. I always feel hmm. with this work, he does a really good job of building onto having the okay. piece build onto itself. Um, it kind of reminds me of that weird science experiment of what's it called? Which, um, which elephant one? elephant toothpaste? Where like. <laughs> The ah. foam just kind of keeps kind of coming out when you think it's just, done you think forming. It starts off, and it's not like the baking soda vinegar experiment, no, no, no. like a volcano. Like you wait, and then it goes going, up. and then it kind of comes yeah. full circle as well. Um, the 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 music, not the elephant toothpaste, the elephant toothpaste. science experiment. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, Although um, that does like it does tip over the beaker, so it kind of does come back, but it's just mm-hmm. a little bit outside the beaker instead of inside yeah. the beaker. But I think like in some in some parts of the music, there's like five or six things going on, and then it kind of goes back to just more simplified. But um. it's definitely got a lot of texture, which I was I don't listen to very much Dead Mouse music yet. But I think after this, I will go and explore some more music because it's it's a well textured piece. I should uh, like to describe it as. Um, it does incorporate bits and like strobe like sounds. If that if light can be a sound, I mean, I guess with wavelength theory, yes, it is. <laughs> you know, um, but also it it does incorporate you know the theme of dreaminess. I suppose um, you know it kind of phases in and out of different aspects of uh, dreamy quality while you know keeping the thing going. Like you're not just stuck in a holding pattern. I think, mm, which I is, like you know, some, 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 some dreams you just kind of keep cycling back to square one where this one just, it does progress. You don't know really where it's progressing to or what's exactly happening, but you know, it's progressing. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a bare minimum. But it's nice because you don't have to worry about it. It's going to, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to do its own thing. You got to just got to go along with the ride and just go with the flow. Just kind of mm-hmm. the phrase, but just vibe with it. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think I think that's what you just, I mean. To a certain extent, hitting the play button on anything, you just have to go with the flow. I mean, you can hit pause, but um, <laughs> I gotta be honest. Uh, we're at the end of the episode, and I'm just focusing back on my cookie excitement. Okay, and I'm ready to wrap it up. Um, okay, all right, Michelle has to have her cookie. I think so. I can experience we my full blown. Ex- Firework, firework of synesthesia, well, kind of quasi synesthesia of my own limited yeah. ability. Yeah, yeah, no, that's um, fair. It's it's not fair to keep you from your cookies. But I also want to <laughs> extend that wish to both you know you Stephanie and Interabang in closing, and then Indeed. I hope you if you have a, if you know something that does that for you as well, uh, or if you haven't yet, but I hope you find it soon uh, where you can indulge and just really experience. Multimodal, multimodal sensory and 
I would encourage, you know, if, if, if music is a thing for you, mm-hmm. um, then, then try and like imagine some sense that is connected to it and try and like live that, not live a whole day with it, maybe like a song or, or something, just like try and imagine what an mm. existence with that would be like. I think that would be interesting just for, you know, a little while and then you can go back to your daily life <laughs> doing whatever <laughs> or don't, you know, it's your life. You do you. That's it. <laughs> All right. Take, take care and serving as well as you, Stephanie. <laughs> take care. All right. Cheers. <laughs>